I'm your host, and I'm here with my co-host and wife, Hannah Hogan. Good afternoon. Great to be here. Mm. It is great to be here. We're, we're recording on a Tuesday. I don't know when we'll put this out, but we're recording on a Tuesday. I don't want to put it out the same day as Nate Land. It's weird to put it out on the same day as another podcast I do. Uh, so we may, it may come out Thursday. It doesn't matter. But it's been a wild weekend. I mean, yesterday I did a corporate gig on Monday in downtown Nashville at the Grand Hyatt Hotel at 1.30 p.m. in the afternoon. So if you're, if you're not familiar with corporate gigs, but say you are familiar with a comedy club, you know how at a comedy club you usually go 7 o'clock, 9 o'clock, sometimes 10 depending on the club. And depending on what you like to do, you may have a couple of drinks, you may do a J, you may take some pills. I mean, whatever it is that you're into. And then you make your way down to a comedy club, presumably to see a comedian that you already know and like. And then when you're there to see that comedian, other comedians will come out and they'll warm the audience up for the comedian that you've come to say. So the idea being that by the time that comic hits the stage, you're in the perfect state of mind. Uh, the audience has been put in the perfect state of being by the openers. And then the headliner gets to come out and just rock it. And everybody just has a great time. And it's wonderful. And sometimes we even hug after the show. I definitely shake a lot of hands. I do a lot of fist bumps, a lot of high fives. We take pictures. People buy things for me. People give me things. It's just a wonderful, wonderful event that takes place that I'm very fortunate to be a part of. But then a corporate event, on the other hand, they pay you very well. But you basically walk in. Sometimes, well, you walk into, let's say, a hotel, and it'll be very well set up. And there'll be people that have been there all week. They're at work. They've been there all week, um, you know, listening to people go on and on about product numbers and inventory and the future of the company and what's happening in this area and this area and how there's a new HR rep and everybody claps, even though no one likes any of the HR reps. You just clap along because they tell you they're there to you know, hear your problems, but you know full well they're having an affair with your manager. And if you go to them with your problems, then they're just going to, you're going to, your problems are going to get worse. There's no one that you can turn to at work and you know that, but you're there at the meeting anyway. And they're telling you about how great it's going to be this year versus last year. And you're hopeful. You want that to be the case, but chances are it's a lie and the company's going downhill and you'll be out of the job by the end of the year anyway, you know, and you know it, everybody else knows it, but you clap when they say, Hey, we've got an extra space for the wasp and hornet killer this year. And you go, Oh, thank goodness. Cause I was tired of only having the three spots. Now I have four and that's amazing. So Imagine you're at that kind of meeting and you're just like, oh, I just want to get out of here. And hopefully the district manager uses his credit card to open a tab at the bar so I can drink as much as I want and try to forget about this job that I have. Right. So you're at one of those kind of meetings. And then here comes your boss. Your boss comes out and he goes, uh, hey, uh, <laughs> he goes, uh, no, no, in previous years. Uh, the meetings can be boring. Or if you're like the company I used to work for, they don't care about you. They don't even know. We had a speaker one time at the Spectraside meeting named Steve Martin. And he was just telling us about how to sell stuff far more expensive than what we were selling. He had this 10 point selling plan that I'm like, I'm just trying to get the store to order more weed killer. I don't think I need to know 
when they're uh, granddaughters getting married. You know what I mean? And uh, I don't know. I'm using a lot of weird examples here. I think I might even lost people on this. But, the, you know, a guy comes out and the guy is excited to bring his uh, team members uh, some entertainment. But a lot of the people in that audience, they're, at, they're all at work. And uh, there's a large, as Hannah told me, there's a large portion of this country that will never see a comedy show and that's probably who's in that audience. They're just out there. You're one of the, you know, just say you're one of those people and you're like, oh, I hate this job. And, and then they, they're like, oh, we hired a comic. And you're like, oh, geez, I know how they run everything else. I can't imagine who they hired. <laughs> <laughs> and then. <laughs> and then this homeless looking yeah. dude comes out. Yeah. And then I come out with a hat and a trucker hat. And they're like, geez, they got no <laughs> money at this company. Do they? <laughs> <laughs> did he even change his shirt <laughs> and there's no warm-up you weren't expecting comedy you haven't had a drink or a J or any pain pills and you, you might add some pills i don't know but you're just like oh gosh i just want to go home and then the comic comes out and then i do my best i do my best to lighten the mood of the situation. You know, and sometimes you might drop a weed joke in those situations and it'll crack a couple of people in the audience that wasn't looking to laugh, but then it may turn other people there against you where they're like, oh gosh, I didn't come to work to hear this filth. And, uh, but despite all that, yesterday went pretty good. I mean, they laughed a good bit. I mean, I wouldn't say I crushed it, but they laughed a pretty good bit and uh, it was fun. I mean, I'll tell you a joke that nearly works every time. And that is the hotel joke where I say, I stay at a lot of hotels. I don't always get the best hotels. I stayed at this one hotel one time. And they had a sign inside the room that said, not responsible for stolen items. So I took some stuff, right? It gets them almost every time. If I'm doing a corporate, I don't even do that joke unless I'm doing corporate gigs now. But if I'm doing a corporate gig and I do that joke, because I'll do it early, and I do that joke and they don't laugh, I go, dang, this is going to be a rough show. And, and, and it will be. What happened yesterday? Yesterday they laughed. Okay. And then I, you know, my next joke was less funny than that one. But um, I did get them with that. And, I, you know, I moved along through it. I try to, when I'm in a situation like that, I try to do the uh, mental Rolodex of all the jokes I have to where it's like, if they laugh at one, I go, all right, if you like that one, then you'll probably like this one. Um, but I like to mix it up and not just do all the old jokes. Um, and then, uh, but that doesn't always work, you know, and then you can find yourself in a bit of a panic mode when that starts to happen. If you're, if you're up there telling the jokes and they're not laughing and you're like, dang, I'm gonna be out here for 30 minutes. And you go into a bit of a panic mode and then you can, you can find yourself telling the joke faster or you're sweating a little bit or you start to stumble on your words. And uh, I don't, I'm not really bad about stumbling on my words on stage, but if I, if I hit a corporate event, a lot of times I will stumble on the jokes and I'm like, Oh geez. And it's because the pressure's on, but most of the time I hang in there cool. And I, I just find, I go, all right, you know, this is what you got to do. I go, you got to chill out and you got to just do the jokes and then if I do the jokes for so long, I'll, I'll find a way to make fun of myself. You know, I'll go, maybe a lot of you guys, I said, I'll say stuff like, hey, these are good jokes here. These are not mediocre jokes. I didn't, you know, I don't travel the country telling mediocre jokes. I love to do that one. Uh, one that I did yesterday, I told a joke and I go, I, I did my Cracker Barrel joke, which did okay. And then later I did a joke and it did okay. And I go, all right, well, that one did deserve better. I go, I'll give you the Cracker Barrel joke. Uh, you know, I'll go, I'll give you that. But this one, that deserved better than that. And, uh, and that'll get people on board. I go, I go, honestly, though, this is the best show I've ever had. And uh, people really started to laugh there. <laughs> uh. You know, and it's just like, but, but, you know, uh, it used to be when somebody would come out and read off your TV credits, the audience would go, all right, this guy's somebody. But um, 
I'll cuss a little bit in this story, but uh, me and Aaron Weber were doing a gig, and Hannah actually was with us, at the place called The Dog House in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and I had just done The Tonight Show for the first time. I just did The Tonight Show, and it was very good. I was doing a weekend at Kazi's Comedy Club with Aaron in Newport News, Virginia, and then on the way back, we hit uh, Fayetteville, North Carolina, The Dog House, uh, which was... uh, not a terrible gig. I mean, it was two shows. The first show I thought was really good. And then the second show, the first show was almost sold out. And then the second show, there was almost no one there. And the people that were there just stayed from the first show. So it was pretty uncomfortable. But uh, I remember Aaron told me while I was on stage during the first show, he's standing outside and there, this there's this old woman out there smoking a cigarette. And she goes, this guy any good? And he goes, yeah, he just did the Tonight Show. She goes, that don't mean shit. And then she threw the <laughs> cigarette down <laughs> and went inside. You know what, though? She's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. You know, that's just it now. It's like if, if you go out and you tell people that they've done the Tonight Show, people, are, they don't, they're not even that. In, I mean, it's impressive uh, especially considering the amount of people that take stage to be a comedian versus how many people actually end up on the tonight show. It's, I'd say it's a pretty staggering number. Uh, but, um, the, the general audience, especially this was a corporate gig for people that, um, I don't think they work at a mechanic's office, but it's collision repair. I mean, they're all in a corporation about, so a lot of these people are in the mechanic world which reminds me i should have did my dang car joke i have quite a bit i had a dang car joke that i should have did that bothers me i forgot all about that joke that would have crushed i bet you got too many jokes yeah that would have crushed though dang i hate that um that would have been so good i hate when that happens i just had this realization but anyway um uh you know they're like they probably hate those late night shows and they're probably like boo in their heads, you know, with their work. But the show was really good. I had a lot of fun. Was it good though, Dusty? Because it was I'm good. not getting the vibe from that intro that it was well good. It sounds like maybe it was more in the ballpark of okay. I, I would say it's good compared to the corporate. Now, when I first started doing corporate gigs, they were dynamite. I was like, oh, I don't know why everybody hates these because these are really going great. And uh, I don't know. I guess I was just getting some pretty specific ones because you know i've done one for like a a concrete company that does paving and stuff and the first one i did for them was unbelievable they hired me a second time and uh i don't think it went as well but i did hang out with them and have a lot of fun uh they would they they actually did a, a it was a concrete event and they would have me do comedy and then after they would do their own little award show and the first year they just asked me would i stay and help with the awards and the show went so great. I stayed for a little bit and helped. And then I was like, I'm going to go ahead and take off, right? But then this year they hired me again and asked would I do that again. And I didn't feel like it went as well. So I stayed the whole time during the awards. And I really got into it. I mean, I gave them their money's worth in the award show. Uh, they just gave me my own microphone. They did the awards. And I would just add jokes in. And uh, it was fun. But So when you have an okay to bad show at a club... How does it differ from an okay to a bad corporate gig? Well, psychologically, unless the shows are selling out at the club, then the corporate gigs paying me a lot more money. That's, and that's how it, it affects me. I I just go, man, you guys spent a bunch of money and I tried my best, but uh, most of the time it's not my fault. And I wouldn't say that in any other situation, but it's like, a lot of times the setup won't be right. I mean, you know, my agent works with them and, and, and tries to put them and tell them how to do it in the best way for them to be successful. You know, certain things like you want to have a stage, you, you know, you think that goes without saying, but I've showed up to corporate events where I'm just standing on the floor. This was before I had an agent and I would book my own corporate events. Or you want to have a mic. I request a microphone that's wired in because wireless microphones, if the you know, they'll cut out at weird times. And if they cut out on your punchline, then your joke's ruined. And nobody wants to hear, oh, the mic went out. 
they just think you suck because you're punt, you're joke bombed. And I'm like, they don't, a lot of people don't think there's anything that really goes into this comedy. You want to have good lighting. I mean, ideally it's a little darker in the room than it is on the stage with a daytime event. That's pretty hard to pull off. Uh, you want to, uh, you know, you want, uh, an audience that speaks the same language as you. I mean, that's pretty important. I did one in California not long ago, and the majority of the um, audience were people that worked there, and they were all from South America, I think. I think from Guatemala, and which is great. I want Guatemalan people to enjoy my jokes, but they don't speak uh, good English, and I don't speak any uh, Spanish or Guatemalan. I don't know what their language they speak, but I don't Portuguese. Maybe I don't know. I don't speak any language, but English and it's debatable how good that is sometimes. Um, so, and you want, uh, there to be good speakers. You want, you know, ideally to have, uh, all the seats facing you, not some big round banquet table. You want people to either eat after or, um, you know, or, or, um, you know, finish their food before you take the stage. I would say uh, never let the award ceremony happen before you go on stage because a lot of times their excitement is in those awards. They're like, I, I want to know if I won something. And then after the awards, either they're too excited because they won or they're too disappointed because they didn't but to hear your jokes, you know? And um, so, you know, I did one in Orlando and maybe my highest paid one ever to date. And they had, you know, we were in a room. It was just like cocktail hour for them. People were standing up by the bar drinking. A few people were sitting down. They had the doors. It was a pretty small room, but they had the doors open to this never ending hallway. I mean, it just looked like a hallway into nothingness. It was so big, so vast, so long. It was like, close the do doors, you know, let's seal up some of this energy in here. Um, Dang, your jokes are just flying into a black hole. Yeah. And then people are on edge, right? It's like, if you're at a com if I'm at a comedy club, I mean, my jokes are not dirty, but I got a lot of weed jokes, right? So if I'm on stage in a comedy club, I'm telling my weed jokes, people are cracking up. If I'm at a, if I'm at a, 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 a work party, a lot of people are like, I've even done the weed jokes and then go, Hey, I did a couple of them. And then I go, Hey, I just want you guys to know that a lot of people tell me, they go, we don't even smoke weed and we love those jokes. So it's okay to laugh at them. You know, I'll try to give them that, that out because they're afraid. Well, if I laugh at this, then my boss thinks I smoke weed, you know? So, um, you know, a lot just, going on. A lot goes into it. So I just when when it doesn't go well at a corporate event, I just feel bad because I'm like, you just spent a lot of money because you wanted to entertain your people, and you know, and I did a good job. But contrast to what goes on in a comedy club, I mean this this Monday show is coming off a five show sold out weekend at the Denver Comedy Works. That's where I was at this past weekend, Denver, Colorado, at Comedy Works downtown, which is a club that I've heard about for years. Um, in 2014, I did my first official feature weekend at the Charlotte Comedy Zone, and I featured for Josh Blue, a Denver, Colorado comedian. And he was telling me that weekend how great comedy works in Denver is. And then here I am nine years later, finally getting to go there, and Josh Blue came to see me was very nice he just came to hang him and his girlfriend they just came and hung with me and i told him he was my first ever feature weekend he had no idea he seemed very excited by that um and uh and it was the club was everything that he said it would be i mean it was i said this a couple of times already to people but on thursday when i took the stage it took me a little bit to adjust to just them laughing at everything that i said <laughs> It didn't, I didn't really get comfortable until I did a joke that didn't really get a laugh. And then I was like, all right, so you guys are real people then, you know, like this is not all phony laughter. You, you, you're going to laugh if you think it's funny. And the reason you've been laughing is because you thought everything was funny up until this point. And, you know, so I just was able to move right into my next jokes. But sometimes if the show's going too good, I honestly want there to be a, corporate energy i want no i want there to be a bad joke so that we can we can like 
I don't know if this is even the right expression, but so we can dispel the notion that all these jokes are going to be good. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you're a good comedian, but you know, you're not that you're not, you're not perfect. Right. I mean, there's going to be, there's got to be some joke in every show that it feels like didn't get what it normally gets. Um, so that's what I did this weekend, though. It was incredible. I'd like to talk more about Denver, but just uh, first, while we're talking about that, uh, a where we've been, let's do a, a special where we're going. Uh, May 13th, uh, May 13th, I'm going to be recording my first one-hour special uh, at the Bijou Theater in Knoxville, Tennessee. I'll be doing two shows, 7 and 9.30, uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to film this, uh, f- uh, you know, for a special. And if you go, this will come out Thursday. I think Friday, the tickets officially go on sale, but you can get, uh, pre-sale tickets if you go to my website and use the promo code slay. So if you listen, just listen to the podcast and don't follow me on social media, then you'll still have a full day to get some pre-sale tickets. So go do that. I mean, Obviously, you know, I don't do a lot of theaters. I have been selling out clubs, but I don't do a lot of theaters. So selling out two shows here would be huge for me. And um, I love Knoxville. I think Knoxville is great. And the reason I chose Knoxville is because I never get to go to Knoxville. Uh, I mean, I love Nashville, but I do a show here every month. So I'm like, I want an audience really that is seeing my material for the first time if anybody's seen my material a million times it's people in nashville so even though i'm writing new stuff all the time there's you know always a chunk of stuff that i've been doing for a while so i'll be uh taping that uh i did a show in knoxville about a year ago maybe two years ago it was at some kind of wedding center where they have a bunch of weddings and it was just a giant cavernous room it was it was set up like a corporate event uh, with the big round tables and it's, sh- there's no reason why that show should have been good. And it was, it was really great. I had an amazing time and I just, me and Hannah stopped in Knoxville not long ago, me and Hannah and Daisy on the way back from North Carolina, I think. And we stopped and we were just like really blown away by downtown Knoxville. If I may, I think we kind of fell in love with Knoxville. We did. We wanted to move there. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was great. And we, we went around downtown. We got some food. We just kind of walked around and looked at some stuff. And we're like, I mean, we were, we were in the midst of a, we had already done six hours in the car. I mean, we were not fresh. Knoxville gave us life. It did. And so that's why I'm happy to go there. So go to my website, dustyslay.com and use the promo code slay to get tickets for my show on May 13th at the Bijou Theater in Knoxville. It's going to be great. Um, but yeah, so, all right. So back to Denver though. Uh, I like Denver. I've been going to Denver for a while. I probably tell previous stories about Denver every time, but, uh, it just is a, it's a fun city. I mean, and I'm a little sketched out by it in a way because of, I've seen a bunch of Denver airport conspiracies and they're way up in the mountains. So I feel like there's probably some weird spiritual stuff happening in Mm -hmm. Denver, but, uh, I I just find that, uh, you know, the, the Bible always is talking about, uh, high places. Like it's always like, it's like people would go to high places to, you know, worship their pagan gods. And I don't know what's going on, but I just always think about that when I'm way up in the mountains. You know what I mean? Well, what I do know is Denver comedy works is a heck of a club. It is. I mean, it really is. And I stayed at the condo there and they have a comedy condo. I don't stay at many condos these days, and but I do like it. I mean, normally everybody gets me a hotel, but I, I do like a condo because there's a kitchen, right? So on Thursday, when I got there, the first thing I did was I looked up grocery stores. I found one downtown, about a 15 minute walk. I walked there. I got a bunch of groceries. I walked home. I was about I was about 30 feet outside of that grocery store with all my groceries. I've not done this in a while. And I thought, I'm not, there's no way I'm going to make it back because my arms were hurting already. Yeah. But you know what? You've been using the monkey bars at the trampoline that park. That is true. And I've, I don't know if I've said this because we talked on the first podcast and we talked about doing the monkey bars and how I couldn't do it. I've done it since then. Now, when I, every time we go to the trampoline park, I'll do it two times uh, just to prove that. But I was like, uh, I, when I did it, finally, I was like, 
oh man, I was so jacked. So I got it in me, but I did, I did walk all the way back with the groceries and then I cooked all weekend. I didn't eat at a restaurant one single time. And I know there's probably a lot of great Denver restaurants, but if I can cook my own food, I'm for it every time. I had a steak, I had some ground beef, uh, you know, all, all of this I got for cheaper than what it would have been if I ate chicken fingers all week in restaurants. Uh, it was really great. It's much more nourishing, I think, to cook your own food when it's tasty. Yeah, and I know what 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 kind of oils I'm using and what kind of seasonings and different ingredients I'm using, and it's really great. I even bought some turmeric root, chopped it up. Yeah, you did. Put it with my vegetables. I bet you did. It was really good. You brought that turmeric root home. I did. I'm going to try to grow it. Okay. I tried to grow turmeric root last year. It didn't take, but mm. I did grow some ginger. We'll have to pray for it. Yeah. So, um, but I was staying in this condo and it's very nice. They do a great job of decorating it. It's right downtown, but something weird was going on. Everything that I touched. Now, everybody says, and I even looked up some stuff on it, that it's, you know, thin air or, or not thin air, uh, dry air can build up static electricity charge in your body. They say if the air is too dry, just passing through it can build up static electricity. But this wasn't happening to me everywhere. It was happening to me specifically at the condo. Everything I would touch shocked me almost. Every time I I, I, I had to go to open the door, I go, oh, dang, because that's what happened, right? I go to the door and I go, I touch it and I get shocked and I go, oh, man. Uh, but everybody gets uh, static electricity once in a while. But then I went to turn on a light. When I turned on the light, it shocked me. When I opened the bedroom door, it shocked me. When I opened the bathroom door, it shocked me. I was like, what's going on around here? And um, I started, and, and this happened all weekend. One, one night after I'd hung out for a while, I walked back. And as I put my key in the door, I could see a little electric uh, shock go from the key to the door. And then the moment, and when I left to leave for the final time, it shocked me going out the door and I saw it. So I don't know what was going on, but I was getting shocked all weekend. Well, it could have been some of those pagan spirits that you're talking about in Denver. Maybe. I did not sleep good. I think the condo was great and comfortable. Uh, I don't think it was a reflection on the condo, but I did not sleep good all weekend. Uh, but despite all that, incredible shows. Well, of course you didn't sleep good. You were charged. Yeah. Fully charged. Well, I ordered a grounding uh, a, a grounding mat from the earthing store while I was there because I'm like. What? Yeah, because I'm like, I'm going to pack this in my bag now. And if I ever find myself in this situation where I, because all I wanted to do was go walk around in some grass, but I didn't see any grass anywhere around. So. What does the grounding mat do? You know, you, it's like the grounding sheet for the bed that we had. Yeah, but didn't we already realize that that maybe didn't work? Oh, you realize that and won't let me put it back on the bed. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but I, I'm not convinced. So I just got a small mat that you could just kind of stand on. So if I'm ever in that, that's what I'm doing. I needed to ground. I couldn't find a tree out there. I couldn't find any grass. Oh, bless your heart. So I just wanted to ground. Maybe it was also like your superhero powers were getting released in Denver. Yeah. Maybe you're like electricity man. Yeah. I mean, maybe the shows were so hot it was charging up my body and then I would go back to the condo and get shot, get it all out of there. Yeah. But, you know, uh, it was good. I mean, there was a bathtub there. I took a bath one time. I did not fall asleep in there. Oh, thank you. But I did take a bath. It was a much deeper one. This would have been scary to fall asleep in. But, uh, oh, my gosh. But it was, uh, it was great. I love it. And, um, yeah, I just enjoyed it. You know, the way that the Denver uh, Comedy Works does their shows. Every time I've been, I've been to Comedy Works South a couple of times, never been to the downtown club, but they don't have, you don't have the same feature all weekend. They use local comics and they'll each get a night. So it's cool to meet uh, several different, you know, features throughout the weekend, but I don't, um, you know, I don't get to build any relationships with the features, which is a shame because, you know, normally when you work with somebody, you'll work with them all weekend. And so, um, you know, you just, you know, become friends or whatever. And I think that's really great, but you don't really get that opportunity here because they're, you know, frankly, they're given opportunities to a lot of comics. And I think that's really good. 
but I really enjoyed it. Uh, I also saw uh, on Friday night, the late show, my friend Apples and my friend Brian DaCosta came to the show. These are Charleston buddies of mine. Uh, they all live out in uh, Colorado now. I don't know if they either of them live downtown Denver, but they live uh, around the area. And uh, Apples sells RVs now. He moved, when, when I met Apples years ago, he lived in a house. He got divorced, and then he bought an RV and just left Charleston. He left Charleston in an RV, and he drove out to Colorado, and he was living on like an RV lot, and he started selling RVs. And now he's really made quite a life for himself out there, and it was very exciting to see him, um, uh, very exciting to see apples at uh, at the RV place, talking to people, having friends. I mean, I knew the guy had friends, but I just I don't know. It's always exciting for me to see because when you I feel like when you meet people for the first time in the comedy world, like you become friends over comedy. And then as our lives go uh, in different ways, you know, they may not end up being full-time comedians. You know, this for a lot of people, comedy is a bit of a hobby. They like it, uh, but it's never going to be a full-time thing. But, you know, for a while, when you're at the early stages of comedy, everybody's got jobs. So comedy all kind of seems like a hobby in a way. But like, you know, me, I was like, you know, there was a certain point that I hit where I'm like, all right, this is what I'm, I'm going to figure out how to make this my job now. And my goal was to stop at nothing to make sure that that became my job. And so I was like, that's what I'm going to do. But, you know, other people's priorities are different, right? So, you know, Apple's, um, you know, is still doing comedy, but I don't know that he's even pursuing comedy full time. And then to see him taking on this new career and seeming to have a lot of fun, it made me very happy. I was very happy for him. Um, and uh, he was walking around introducing me to all the other RV salesmen. And he said to this, he said about this one guy, he goes, this guy right here, he owes me a life debt. And, and the guy goes, well, he goes, that's true. He goes, Apple saved my life one day. He said, I was sitting in the office and I started choking. And he said, nobody really knew what to do. Um, and he said, I was like, he said, I was trying to drink water to push. He was eating steak. And he said, I tried to drink water to push the steak down. And the water just came right back out because it was nowhere to go. And it completely closed up the hole. And he said, apples came in and was like, kind of making fun of him at first but then realized what was going on and started doing the high. And Alex apples is a big guy. He started doing the Heimlich on the guy and nothing was happening. So he kind of pulled the guy away and smacked him on the back a couple of times, gave him a couple of big smacks and the stake popped out. That's terrifying. And, and, and as this guy was telling me the story, it was really giving me some chills because I'm like, even now telling the story again, because it just like, I just feel like, and I probably shouldn't even be talking about apples this way, but I just feel like he was going through a rough spot for a second. Like I would see him every time I'd go to Colorado, I'd see him and he seemed to be doing all right, but I felt like he was just going through a rough spot. And then just to see him this time, I just thought, man, he's, he's doing great. He's saving people's lives. He's saving lives. He's selling RVs. I've seen the cost of these RVs. And so if you sell one of these things, your commission has to be great. Ain't no telling how many lives he's saved just by selling RVs. That's true. That's true. But it just it just made me feel good. I, I, I loved it. And it was awesome. And then my friend Brian DaCosta, he never did stand up. He was an improv guy. Him, I knew him and his wife. I knew them both before they even started dating. And they get, they started dating and got married in Charleston. And then they moved out to uh, Colorado Springs. And I saw them when I was there a couple of years ago. But I didn't really get to hang with them. And him and Apples came together this time. So we just sat in the green room and talked about Charleston and improv and stand up. And we talked about... Um, uh, theater 99 and all that stuff. And it was really great. And Apple's had this idea of wanting to, uh, remake the movie Smokey and the Bandit. 
And he, so we were back there discussing who would play, what current actors would play those roles now if they remade Smokey and the Bandit. And I, I got to I gotta refresh myself on the movie. So me and Hannah are going to try to watch it sometime soon just so we can refresh ourselves on what Smokey and the Bandit's all about. Now, I, I know what it's all about. But, you know, you got Burt Reynolds, who's Smokey. No, he's the Bandit. Jeez. And you got uh, uh, Jerry Reed, who's Snowman, the truck driver. And you have uh, Jackie Gleason is Buford T. Uh, uh, Pusser, uh, the cop who's Smokey. Um, and then there's probably some other characters that we want to want to fill, but the, oh, oh, and then Sally Fields was the love interest. So uh, there's apparently an actor right now that looks a little bit like Burt Reynolds and has a mustache and stuff. And that's who he wanted for Burt Reynolds, but just a loose one. This is what I think you could do, uh, John C. Riley as Buford T. Pusser, the the sheriff, you could do, this is like if you wanted to go full on like Talladega Nights, you could go, um, um, what's his name? He's the office space boss and he is uh, the dad in Talladega Nights. It's, um, oh man, he's so great. He, List some other ones in IMDb. He's a, uh, Brady Bunch, the movie. Uh, he's the main character. He's the main guy in Brady Bunch, the movie. My internet's not good. Oh, man. My producer here. Um, all right. So, um, all right. I'm sorry. I'm looking this up right now. Oh. Gary Cole? Gary Cole. Yes. All right. We're on the same internet. Mine worked great. Well, my phone's dying. Okay. All right. Well, um, <laughs> so Gary Cole, I think, could play Jerry Reed's character. Uh, and then, you know, you might want a more serious role for um, for the bandit. Like, I don't know if Will Ferrell's a good uh, Burt Reynolds, but it's like, who is a good Burt Reynolds? You know what I mean? What about Shia LaBeouf? Would he be the right energy? Well, as much as I seem to like him, even after hating on him so much in the beginning, like I, I feel like everybody hated on him, and he actually is a great actor. He's yeah. really good. I'm not hip to modern-day celebrities. Right, so that's why I think we should watch the movie, but if anybody has suggestions, but this, just to complete the whole thing, I think Amy Adams played the love interest in Talladega Nights, who's also a great actress. Mm -hmm. And then you got Will Ferrell playing the bandit. She could play the Sally Fields character. Mm -hmm. And I just think that would be such a fun, uh, you know, Smokey and the Bandit. You know, you know, let's, Burt Reynolds, I mean, let's let Will Ferrell dye his hair black and have a mustache and then tone it down a bit. But, and maybe he's not right. Maybe Vince Vaughn is a great. Yeah, uh, Vince Vaughn, I'm thinking. Feels Vince Vaughn's better. a great bandit. Yeah. You know, maybe Will Ferrell's the sheriff. But, you know, Vince Vaughn and Will Ferrell are like mid-50s now, easily. Yeah. I think Burt Reynolds was kind of old in this, wasn't he? I it? don't think so. No? I think he was probably in his 30s. Well, I wonder if I have the, uh, still have the website pulled up to what my friend said. He likes this guy. Um, no, I think it's gone now. Yeah. But, so did they present this creative idea to you or did it just kind of come about organically? I think Apple's had previously presented it to Brian DaCosta. Brian DaCosta laughed at the idea and said that we should never remake Smokey and the Bandit because all they're going to do is ruin it. And I agreed. But just for the sake of the exercise, I like thinking about it. Yeah. So, so that was fun. And, um, so that's really what I did in Denver. Oh, I want to talk about this, though. Oh, I went to, oh, so I went to, a, they had the Great American RV Convention at the convention center downtown, and Apples was down there selling RVs, so he invited me. So on Saturday, I walked down to the convention center, 
walked around the RV thing. And it's wild. I mean, I'm walking through there. These RVs are so expensive, but just walking through there, I'm like, dang, I want one of these. I already got a cabin we don't even get to spend enough time at. And I'm like, I want one of these. And it's like, but the energy is just cool in there. You, Even though you're in a building, you feel like you're in the outdoors. You're getting fresh air. It feels good. I loved it. How much are the average RVs going for? There is no average, what I found. Uh, but they're, the main ones I was looking at were pull behind. So they're not even motorized. They go from anywhere to thir- from 30000 to $200,000. Now, when you say you were looking at that's all they had, or those are the ones that you thought realistically I could buy? That's sometime. what Apple sells is pull behind. Okay. So I was mainly just looking at his. Uh-huh. After we got done talking, I thought I'd walk around, and then I was like, I don't even want to walk around. I don't, <laughs> you know what I mean? I just came to see Apple's. I don't really yeah. care. I'm not going to buy one. Um, but it was fun. I mean, even like they had these vans, these Sprinter vans, uh, which are, you know, made to fit the van life. But, you know, they were made by Mercedes and made by, uh, I don't know, they were like $200,000 for these vans that you can sleep in with no bathroom. I was like, no, thank you. Mm. Um, you know, uh, so it's like the pool, be- but you can understand, right? Because that has its own motorized thing to it. So the pool behind... Cost you, let's say you buy a $40,000 pull behind, which is small, you're still going to need a $40,000 truck to pull it. And then the bigger the RV goes, the bigger the truck you're going to need. You could probably pull some of the smaller ones with like a Ford F 150 or a Chevy Silverado. But if you get the bigger ones, you're going to need a 250, a 350, and then you're going to be, you know, way up in the money. So, um, so that was, it was just a great weekend. I had a great time. I mean, it was so good. I mean, despite being shocked every time I turn around, it was still a lot of fun. And then you came back and did the corporate gig. And then I flew home. I got about, I got about two hours of sleep on Saturday and I woke up, I went to the airport. Uh, I got on my plane. I flew to Dallas. When I got to Dallas, I decided I would, I had a, about an hour and a half, two hours in between. So I thought, well, I'll go to the Admiral's Lounge where oh I had been, boy. where I had been given a free membership. Oh, look at you! And I just thought, you know what? I'll just go and relax in the Admiral's Lounge like I always do, right? So I get in line. There's quite a line to get in there, and then I get up to the thing and I scan, and I'm I'm going, what's going on with these people? In my head, I'm like, what's going on with everybody? Why does everybody have a problem up here? Just scan your ticket and go, you know. And then, so I just go up, I scan my ticket, I go, thank you. And then I go to walk in she goes, excuse me, Mr. Slay. She goes, she goes, how are you a member? And I go, what do you mean? How am I a member? I don't, I don't know how to, I was like, I don't understand the question here. How am I a member? <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm a member. Uh, you know, I was given a membership. She goes, oh, okay. I'm not, you know, she goes, you are sitting first class. Cause I got upgraded. Not cause I bought it. Uh, she goes, you are sitting first class, but we, we, we give this to international. I was like, listen, I'm in here all the time. I was like, I've never had a problem. I don't understand what's going on. And she goes, she's digging in the computer and she goes, Oh, turns out your membership expired April 1st. So she goes, do you want to renew? And in the moment I just said, no. I'm debating whether I will renew because they gave it to me for free. And that's what I was always saying. I said, the only reason I have the Admiral's Lounge is because they gave it to me for free. But now I'm like um, used to it and I kind of want to buy it now. Do you have to buy it? You can't just. I looked, I went, I didn't want to renew because I wanted to go look through and see if I had some, because they'll give me various rewards because I fry the same airline all the time. So they'll give me various, you know, rewards here and there. So I dug through to see if I had that and I don't have it. I may wait around to see if it comes back. Um, But I don't know. It's really not that much money for the level of comfort it gives you. I mean, if you just fly once in a while, it's pretty ridiculous to have the Admiral's Club. But when you fly every day, it's like, think about this. I always have a backpack, right? So... I'll sit down at a desk or something somewhere. I'll pull out my laptop. I'll be doing something. And then if I have to go to the bathroom, let's say I got two hours in between that flight and my next one. And I'm just doing stuff on my laptop. And I got my charger plugged in. I got my phone charging. I got water. I got some snacks out. I got all these things going. I'm having a good time. I got a great space in the airport. And then I have to go to the bathroom. Well, 
I'm not going to leave my stuff out in the middle of the airport. So I have to unplug my chargers. I have to roll up the cords, put them in the bags, close the laptop, put away my snacks, put away my water, put all my stuff back in there, put the backpack on, go to the bathroom only to come out of the bathroom and find that my great spot is now taken. And then I can't find a chair anywhere to sit down. Uh, with the Admiral's Lounge, I would just go to the bathroom with all my stuff out. I wouldn't worry about putting it away every time because they're not suspicious. I mean, it's not even that I think people are going to steal it in most airports. It's just that like they act like if you leave a bag laying around that there's a bomb in it every time. They're like one airport. I was like, if, if you leave your bag unattended and we find it, we'll burn it and dispose of it or whatever. And I'm just like, geez. So it's like I'm at the airport, you know, at least twice a week. And it's just like, it's, um, it's so good to have that, that little perk. And then you'll get free snacks and, and stuff like and that. And let's not forget the serenity you feel when you're inside the Admiral's Lounge. Well, in a sense, depending on the airport, it can feel like that. But, you know, a lot of them are small and a lot of them are very busy. So they're, it's not so serene in there. I know I've always felt almost like an angel <laughs> inside the Admiral's Lounge. I felt like this is probably the waiting room to heaven. I will tell you this. I'm uh, on my plane from Denver to Dallas. When we landed, this guy asked me, was I Dusty Slay? And he, and he was sitting next to me and I go, and I thought to myself, this guy looks a lot like me. He had long hair, beard, glasses, no hat. But I was like, this guy, I, I was like kind of sleeping on the plane and there was no one sitting next to me when I went to sleep. And then I woke up and this guy that kind of looks like me is sitting next to me. And I was like, well, that's weird. And when we landed, he goes, are you Dusty Slay? And I said, yeah. He goes, uh, he goes, people in Nashville think I'm you all the time. And uh, so apparently he lived in Nashville. So when I was, when we landed in Dallas, you know, I went to the bathroom and we talked for a bit, but then I lost the guy. But I figured, oh, I bet this guy's on my same flight home. I said, if I see him, I'm going to invite, because I'll get a guest to the Admiral's Lounge. I'm going to invite him to be my guest and we'll hang out. And I'm so glad I didn't see him because I would have invited him to the Admiral's Lounge uh, only to ha get rejected. <laughs> yeah. And then as I was leaving, some guy in line goes, are they not letting people in? And I go, nah, I got my own issues, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry you had to go through that, the the rejection and the sorrow. Well, it was embarrassing, I'll be honest. But you know what happened? Right after I came out of there, this there was a TA, TSA agent sitting down, and I was walking to a seat near him, and he goes, Dusty Slay, what's happening? And I was like, oh, man, has this guy been seeing my tweets about the TSA? And uh, <laughs> he was just talking to me. He goes, when you, when you play in Dallas again sometime soon? And I go, I go, you know, actually, matter of fact, I'll be here, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'll just go ahead and tell you in case I got people in Dallas listening. I'll be at the Addison Improv uh, on April 25th and 26th. Uh, it's a Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm doing some weekday shows to help prepare for the special. Um, but he, uh, so I was like, so I told him and he goes, yeah, I came to see you last time you were there. So it's fun. So I do have some friends in the TSA. That's what I always say. I don't hate the people at the TSA. I do hate the organization, but I don't hate the people. I mean, at the end of the I mean, everybody's just trying to dang have a job out here. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I try to never get mad at anybody anywhere at work, right? Unless they're just being like personally difficult. I try to just be like, you know, it's like my water kept getting cut off at uh, the water company in McMinnville because they wouldn't send me my email. And I wanted to really be mad at people because they just kept cutting it off. I wanted to be like, just give me a couple of days here. Take it easy. Don't turn it off immediately. But you know what? They're just doing a job. Mm -hmm. They're just doing what their boss tells them to do. I think you should renew your Admiral's Lounge membership. I think that you shouldn't deny yourself the simple pleasures in life. When you can afford it. And I believe you can. I mean, I don't need to eat. Yeah. Yeah. You can, well, you can just go. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, the baby having new diapers is a, is, is a close second to me getting the Admiral's Absolutely. Lounge. I mean, really, you know what I mean? You work too hard. Babe. <laughs> you work too hard to have to sit amongst 
the peasants uh, at the airport. Well, you know, that that's just it, though. It's like, I don't mind who I'm sitting with. It doesn't have anything to do with who I'm sitting with. It's just like, I can go into the Admiral's on If I have an hour and a half, I can take my backpack off and I can just sit it down and then I can roam freely. Mm-hmm. I can go to the bathroom without either having to hang my heavy backpack on some rickety wall hook in a stall or sit it on the floor. I'll tell you what, I bet if you had a grounding pad, you could throw that out in the Admiral's Lounge and just stand and get grounded. You know what? I bet I could. I bet they would be like, what's going on here? But uh, I bet I could. Excuse me, sir. I'm an admiral. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it is a shame to have over a million miles with American Airlines and have them reject me. Not appreciate what you're doing for this company i mean over a mil well over a million miles i have now Mm -hmm. i was i was a bit indignant about and the sacrifice you've made because american airlines isn't even a hub in nashville no southwest is the hub in nashville you're making connections just because you want to stick by american airlines and because i hate the seating process in in southwest if southwest would just seat their airplane like american airlines does I'd probably. But you're rewarding American Airlines for their transportation ethos. You're absolutely right. And I believe they should reward you with your Admiral's Lounge membership. You're absolutely right, Hannah. All right. I'm sorry. I'm getting fired up. No, I'm with you. Oh, I want to, I wanted to talk. I did a couple of, I did a TV thing. Oh, I did all radio. I did three radio things while I was in Denver. And uh, one of them uh, I forget the radio station, but the guy's name was Willie B and we were talking and he's from Kentucky. He grew up in a trailer park in Kentucky. Now he's a bit older than me. He's in his mid fifties, but we were just talking and we were relating on a lot of stuff. And he told me, you know, a pretty interesting story. He said his dad, he kept saying that his dad married he goes you know everybody in the trailer parks got one of these but my my dad married this real like trailer trash woman of the trailer park i'm assuming he means like kind of a loose woman that was making her rounds in the trailer park and his dad married her of the trailer park and then his dad uh a relative a rich relative of theirs died and left his dad a bunch of money So his dad moved from the trailer park into this nice golf gated community. And he's like, we were very much the trailer park people moving into this wealthy neighborhood. I would imagine like the Beverly Hillbillies or something. Mm -hmm. And he said his dad, later on in life, his dad and his wife, they got into a fight. And his dad, he said, his dad's a real bad alcoholic. So bad that he had to have a liver transplant and um, he got he, he got moved up on the list to get the liver transplant because he was about to die. And then he got the liver transplant. And about two months later, he had to get clean to get he said he's been a serious alcoholic and he had to get clean. So he's clean for like six months. Two months after he got the liver transplant, started drinking, went went right back heavy on it. Um, but he said him and his wife got into a fight one time. And he pulled out a gun and he was just going to shoot it to scare her. But he ended up shooting her in the leg. And then she uh, got him arrested, took out a restraining order on him. And he came, he went to live with the radio DJ's brother and was just basically terrorizing him at home. And then him and the wife started talking again. And they would go down to Gatlinburg. They started going down to Gatlinburg to meet up because uh, she had a restraining order against him. So they couldn't meet in the state of Kentucky. (laughs) So they would go to Tennessee to meet. And then eventually they got back together. And uh, I'm glad to hear it. I just thought that was a pretty wild story. It's a beautiful love story. And he went, well, he was saying how much money his dad inherited. He didn't say a dollar symbol, but his dad like owned all these different apartment complexes. And he was like, he's like, I got to give it up to this woman. He's like, she has managed to, uh, to take ownership 
of like all these apartment complexes. <laughs> like she owns them now. Yeah. Like he doesn't own them. And uh, he's like, yeah, she's really hustling it. You know what, though? That's an American story. Yeah. It is. Wait, so did he shoot her before he inherited the money? No, like, after. Well, why did he move in with his friend if he was rich? Um, We moved in with his son. Oh. Yeah, but why? Why? Like, why wouldn't he just stay in his uh, mansion? Well, I think if, if you know, you she owned everything or I think if you shoot your wife in the leg and she takes you to court, she gets the house. Oh, OK. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. I mean, well, divorce in America is really uh, favors the woman. Yeah. Especially if they have kids. Mm. Yeah. I mean, if we got divorced, I mean, you'd probably take everything. Well, yeah, I would. Yeah. Don't you forget it. And I'd just go live in a trailer and be like, I would just tell, I'd do a podcast about how things used to be. <laughs> <laughs> I'd just yeah. do my own podcast. Maybe you can get apples to be your sidekick. Yeah. Um, live in one of those RVs. Yeah. You probably wouldn't be able to afford it. I'd make sure you wouldn't be able to afford it. Yeah. It'd be a real nightmare. Yeah, it'd be sad. <laughs> That's not sad for me. Yeah. Um. But the, um, so, I mean, it was just a great time. I mean, all in all, this, this entire, um, weekend was good. With that in mind, let's do another country. That's all the Denver stuff I have that the Denver took the whole time. I'm off this weekend. I don't have comedy this weekend. And then next weekend I'm doing, um, uh, Johnson City, Tennessee with Nate Bergazzi and the whole Nate Land crew. And I'm doing the Bridgestone Arena with Nate Bergazzi and the whole Nate Land crew. And apparently it's sold out and they've sold over 19,000 tickets. Praise God. 19,000 tickets. Mm. That is unbelievable. One nine zero 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 <laughs> yeah but over that so okay. it is unbelievable so that's very exciting so that's what i'll be doing in two weeks and then following that will be the uh, nashville comedy festival so i'll be doing several shows uh one unannounced so i won't talk about it but i'll be doing kid rocks comedy jam at the ryman uh, i think that'll be I mean, this is all too far in advance. Um, that'll be April 18th. And then April 19th is my show at Zany's. Uh, and then April 21st and 22nd, I'll be in Richmond, Virginia at the Funny Bone. So that's exciting. You it's, got a lot of great things going on. I do. It's all very exciting stuff. Uh, so it's going to be great. So I thought, oh, and, and we may, I don't know what we'll do next week. We have someone starting tomorrow to, um, do our podcast room. We're converting a loft in our house because, you know, we've never said on this podcast and I guess we should say, but, uh, we are having a, another baby. Wow. Okay. I didn't know. I didn't know you're about to do that. But yeah, it, well, you know, we don't, there. well, we don't, you know, necessarily like to make announcements like that. We like to, but it's like, we're, you know, it's very close to happening. Yeah. I mean, anybody that sees Hannah knows that it's about to happen. Yeah. And, um, there's been a few people that have commented on the podcast about my heavy breathing. <laughs> and <laughs> let me just say, I've heard it and I hear you and I appreciate the feedback and I've been very self-conscious about it, but I am breathing heavier because I have a child pressing up against my lungs. Yes, yes. So, a boy, a little yeah. boy. So we're having a little boy. So our podcast, our current podcast room will now be our son's bedroom. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have to give it up. So in order to do, to get a podcast room, um, you know, we got to build one. So we're converting a, a kind of a useless area of our house into a loft. And that's going to start tomorrow. And they say quickest, it'll be done in two weeks, but maybe a month. But I don't know what we'll be able to do if they're just banging around in there. So well, I don't know. We could know. probably do something at night. That's true. We'll figure it out. But I just wanted to put that out there. But um, so I thought with the radio story, 
I could tell. I want to tell another like country music story that I think is fun. And um, and we did have some emails, but we we started looking at those last minute, and I couldn't find them. Um, so we'll do some emails next week. Um, but when I uh, I was gonna do, I think last year, maybe two years ago now, I was gonna do, I was gonna open for Trace Adkins at a, a county fair, a state fair in where Missouri, Missouri State Fair, I believe, and. Um, uh, you know, it rained and stormed, and so they, it was an outdoor event, so they wouldn't let us perform, so we didn't get to. It wasn't his call. It wasn't my call. They wouldn't let us perform because they were like, if it's lightning, we can't do it. So we sat on his tour bus and talked for a while, and he just smoked a lot of cigarettes, and we just sat in the tour bus and talked, and it was great. It was me and him and, like, his tour manager or something, and it was awesome. We had a lot of fun. And he told me a story. Now, he's gone public with the story now. This is not something I'm revealing to anyone. But I just thought this was very interesting. He's been married a few times. Because um, we, we got to talking about COVID a little bit. And he was talking to me about his lung situation that he has going. So it was making, you know, it scared him a bit of COVID because it was, you know, it would attack the lungs. And he said that when he was married at one point, this was years and years ago, uh, to one of his wives, they got into a fight and she came running at him with a gun uh, and he did something. Like he reached out to grab it or whatever and she shot him in the side and the bullet went through his chest cavity, through I think both of his lungs and even a part of his heart or something like, he's like, I should have died and it's a miracle that I didn't die. And um, yeah, I mean, he had to, he went through quite a bit with that. What kind of recovery is that? I don't know. I mean, I don't know to ask those questions. I'm mainly like, dang. And then I'm thinking, I'd like to tell him about the time I was shot with a BB gun, but I just don't feel like it adds up. Mm-mm. It's not the same kind of story. Mm-mm. So, uh, but I just had a lot of fun. I like Trace Atkins a lot. He's a very cool guy. We had a lot of fun hanging. I like him. I'm a bit, in, I'm a bit intimidated by him. He's a real big guy. He's a, you know, uh, he's a, you know, a big star. I mean, he's been in a lot of movies. He's on a TV show currently right now, a network TV show. He's got a lot of hit songs. And um, it sounds like he had a real redneck woman. So that makes him re- relatable. Yeah. But I just think he's a real fun guy and I like him. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, all the, <laughs> all my country music meeting people stories are probably not going to be great, but that was great. Was it? Yeah. I love a story where a woman attacks a man and then he survives and he's just like, yeah, I got a lot of ex-wives. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. That's the podcast. So we appreciate you guys listening. I've had a lot of fun here today. I appreciate all your emails and messages. Sometimes the best way to send me a, a message, though, is dustyslaycomedy at gmail.com because people will use that thing on my website, and I do get those messages, but a lot of times that stuff gets lost, and then if I want to read your message on the podcast, it's lost, or if you send it to Instagram or or, or Facebook or Twitter. It's like all this stuff gets lost. Uh, I'll still see it most, most times. Instagram has a, Instagram has like, uh, several kind of inboxes where they'll have this one that's very far out that sometimes I may not see ever. I may check that and I'll go, Oh, here's some messages from people I don't follow from months ago. And then I'll read those. But it's like, that's really the worst way. Um, uh, Dusty Slay comedy at gmail.com is the best way if you want it to be read. And I, I'll always do my best to not read your name or reveal your identity. Um, so unless you want me to. Yeah. And if you want to just write an email to you and you don't want it read, I mean, you can do that too. Exactly. Yeah. You're very uh, touched by the feedback that people give you. I am. You know, in Denver, I had a lot of people come up to me and say that my comedy help them through hard times. And then I even had a girl tell me about a guy she was with. I don't know if it was her brother or boyfriend, but she was just like, you know, my, she goes, he, he's such a big fan. He said, she said, he's been through a lot and you really helped him through all this. 
with your comedy. And I really appreciate that because that is the kind of comedy I wanted to do. People often ask me, you know, oh, they'll go, oh, in this PC culture, how's that really affected your comedy? And I go, it really hasn't uh, because I made it a point a long time ago to do the kind of comedy that wouldn't hurt people's feelings. I'm not so worried about offending people as I am like, you know, it's like when I was drinking, I was heavier, right? So I was, I put on a lot of weight. So I would make jokes about being fat. But then when I quit drinking and lost weight, I stopped making those jokes because I'm like, well, I don't want someone who's overweight to come to my show and now feel worse about themselves because they came to my show. When I had the weight, I was just making fun of myself, you know, but it's like, um, so that's, that's, that's how it is. You know, I'm not trying to, not trying to make people's lives worse. I want people to listen to the comedy and go, that was fun. You know, and even people always write into Nate land and they'll go, they'll go, uh, I don't always agree with what Dusty's saying. And that's fine. I say a lot of things. You don't have to agree with them. Oh, that being said, well, the po- the podcast will probably be out by then, but Passover is on uh, Wednesday uh, the 5th at sundown. Um, so I don't know if, you know, you may be hearing this on Thursday and, and, and maybe did or didn't celebrate, but that'll be followed by the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which will uh, last for a week. So, you know, get in on that. Don't eat bread for a week if you want. And um, it's a great break either way, but that's everything. Thank you guys. We're having a good time. (music) 